Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. 24 question party people. 24 party people. 24 24 question party people. Hello and welcome to 24 Question Party People. I am your host, Yasi Salak. This is a show where I invite an interesting person on for a little talk. I ask the same 23 questions every time, more or less, plus one wild card. The guest is allowed to skip one question. Sometimes the questions change a little. Just like the time, babe. That's right, twice a year. Sorry to be controversial here on uh, my little intro monologue, but you know what? I love the fallback time change. Okay. I love it. Fucking sue me. First of all, I wake up really early, so it's nice to not have to like, you know, walk around in the pitch black dark for an hour in the morning. That pleases me. Um, cause you know what? That's depressing. And secondly, the earlier it gets dark, the earlier I can quit working and relegate myself to the couch with a hot steaming bowl of homemade soup and my little stories. I'm sorry for the rest of you that are so tethered to capitalism or alcoholism or whatever it is that makes you want to have light later. Just fucking surrender. Surrender to the darkness, babe. It's beautiful. What else is going on? I guess because of this time change and just the general gist of the season, my mind has really wandered into the slowness of winter. Do you know what I mean? Um, even though it is 80 degrees in Los Angeles and I think not technically, um, the season of winter yet, like, like a man, I just like, I want to make a 12 hour broth and I want chickens in my yard so I can go get fresh eggs to make a quiche. And I'd also like a robust herb garden. So I can use those herbs in both the broth and the quiche. And you know what? I'd really like to learn how to knit finally. Do I know where used light bulbs go? No, I don't. And I'm never going to learn, but I would like to learn how to knit. 
I also, I like, I want to go on like two hour long walks with like no music, just my beautiful thoughts, but also do them at a very quick pace. So they count as my zone two cardio real ones. No, like I both want to retreat from the world, but I also still want to have access to new episodes of Bosch legacy and also my lobotomy TikToks that really make my life worth living. Um, you know what I'm talking about? The one where like the girl's like what I eat in a day and it's just like, you know, clink, clink, ice, matcha latte, chop, chop, red onion. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, you use yogurt instead of mayonnaise in your tuna salad. Fascinating. Uh, chop, chop, kale, put it in the pan and it, always something sweet at the end. Like I could watch those for just hours, hours. It's like having your frontal lobe removed temporarily. And also, you know what, while we're at it, I, I'd also like a cold plunge. In case any, if we're just listing things that I would like, I would like a cold plunge just in case any potential sponsors are listening. I think it's time for a new type of health influencer. Okay. Like it's time for a mentally ill guitar rock obsessed 41 year old woman to be a health influencer. Have your people call my people and also athletic greens people. Please call my people. I love you. Athletic greens. Speaking of anti-aging, which was the subtext there. I know this is an audio only podcast, but I have to tell you that my guest and fellow cold plunge aficionado, Gavin Rossdale, just truly looks incredible. He just does. Also, I really wish I could go back in time and visit my 12 year old self while she was standing in line at the Tower Records in Torrance, California, waiting to buy tickets to the Bush show that one day I would have a slightly awkward conversation with the man who wrote one of my top 10 crying alone in my room songs. You already know glycerin. Don't let the days go by, but you know what? I think, I think maybe deep down below her acne and her frizzy hair, that 12 year old Yossi, she knew in her heart that this would one day happen. Anyway, here's my talk with Gavin Rossdale. 24. Kevin Rostell, welcome, welcome to the show. What a treat! What a delight for me. Thank you so much. You're looking very youthful, I must say. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taken aback. Really gorgeous skin. What are we doing? What's the, what's the skincare routine? We're we getting facials. <laughs> we use beautiful products. No, you know what I do love. I'm in love with now is the stupid infrared sauna <gasps> i just got one gavin rossdale go so on. good go on so i love to uh get a bit of a sweat doing something you know like you know whatever sure me looking at tiktok i don't know what you're doing there but so i think that is like so i'm sweating every day that's good yeah. so i think yeah. that's a lot of it living here as well a little bit of a little bit of sunlight sure. and uh Irreverent living. Just a who cares attitude, a joie de vivre that you have that really just well, blooms in your skin. Yeah, I don't know. What can I tell you? Thank you so much. It's a very how nice start with a compliment. True. Yeah, it's nefarious. That's how I it's how I make you feel safe and comfortable and then we're gonna like extract information. Just kidding. I'm really happy you brought up the infrared sauna. Did you know that you could put an infrared sauna on a credit card? I did because I learned that impulsively a couple of weeks ago when I I did that. I just one day was like sad and I was like, How about if I was weird about that? Someone worked at like some sound wave crazy thing. I was on tour and like, mm. in, and, you know, I heard this guy wheeled in this crazy unit and it's like a sound wave machine. And like, 
he just took care of an injury and really had a nagging injury that I'd had. Yeah. Just, you know, when you kind of massage your leg and a lump goes to the other side, like, what is that in my leg? It's like a runaway piece of muscle. I don't know what was going on. That has not happened to me. <laughs> anyhow, anyway, the guy, he had a machine. He totally zapped it. I was like, wow, the machine's rad. And I was like, I said to him, oh my God, I've had this pain in the, for a while. Like, if I had that at my house, I just wouldn't leave. I would just be zapping myself all day long to make sure I was, like, tip-top condition. So when I came home, I looked one up, see if I could find someone who has that, that type of machine here in California. But I did notice along the way that each machine was $120,000. So then I went, I was on it, it was on my phone, I was on Amazon, I was out for dinner with someone, with my kids. And I was like, Wow, I mean, you can buy something for 120000 on my phone within like minutes. Just like a click. Before I order, okay. <laughs> I'll order I'll, are you ready to make an order? Not yet. I'm just spending 120 grand. So I thought, how much? So then I, I put in the multiple up to 10. And I thought, how amazing that I could spend 1.2 million by just pressing that button. And I did it on my PayPal to get up to 1.2. You bought 10 of them. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't press the button, but I was going to, I was showing everyone. I was like, look. This is so wild, right? I can totally, can totally spend 1.2 million before we ordered a taco. We haven't even ordered a taco and we can spend one minute. So I was like, you know, playing that game, you know, but, um, I canceled, but you gotta be careful. You can buy a lot on your phone. The moral of the story is watch out. Your phone is unlimited. That's true. I, I should have been more careful, but now I own a sauna and that's fine. It's (laughs) was worth every penny that I will one day pay off. Well, I'm glad that we're both um, on the infrared sauna train and taking good care of our health. Um, I'm very excited to have you here. I'm a big Bush fan. Um, I know that you have the greatest hits album coming out November 10th. It's called Loaded. That's why you're here to do it. You didn't just come to talk to me for fun. Um, um, am I excited? Yeah. Well, that's not a really good question, but like what, I guess the question is more like, you know, 94 to 2023, that's quite a lot of years. What made you feel like this was the time to put out the greatest hits album? It just was another way of, of just keeping the, I'm working on new music uh, now, but I think that from my management point of view, they've been really excited about the last few years and the records. And we they've asked me, us to be more consistent. Like I'm lazy, you know, lazy Bones Jones. So it was, it's like, Now's times the greatest hits, and I was just like, "God damn!" Dude, we just we just came off of tour, right? Right. We came off of tour. We just finished the summer. And they were like, "Hey, by the way, don't worry. You're kind of having the summer to yourself, so we're just playing a few weekends." You know, cut to every weekend and you know delays and planes. And well, you're out for two shows. You might stay out for like three weeks. It's like really like I was like, "What's happening?" But I'm so ambitious still that I love it so much that. I'll ju- I just do it, even if I sort of think it's too much. You know, I, to, yeah. just, I complain a lot because I have kids, and so I have to keep coming home for them. Because if I didn't come home for my kids, they just would, I think, have me on the road a lot more. So it's always a bit of a balancing act. But the thing is, I love it. You know, um, I like, I guess I like talking about myself and the band. I hear you. I'm a piece of that. No, I just, it's just, it, it, it's weird because having, we had the idea, I've been told that we should do it now. On reflection, by doing the interviews, it's, it's kind of pretty fun. And I guess what it is, I'm just so, I like my job so much that I keep moving forward and I keep doing new things. 
because I don't want to have to stop. And somehow I always thought this great season was a bit like, well, yeah, it's over, bitch. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, you're retired. Out to the pasture. <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't. I didn't like that. It's like, so is this is this your final tour? You know. Right. I mean, I don't know how those guys like. I don't know if bring. I want to bring a record out. Record out at eighty, but. I love the Rolling Stones for doing that because it's just wild. It's just, they're still the biggest band in the world because they played the stadiums. Yeah. They bring out a record. It's still the biggest news. It's the fucking 80 years old and still bigger than everyone. It's really funny. I mean, like fair play to them. Yeah, it's great. I have another podcast called Bandsplain where we explain bands. And (laughs) what we tend to notice is, and not always, but you know, there is like a point of diminishing returns at some point, but I also always make the argument that like, who cares? Like if you're an artist, you make art your whole life. It doesn't, it's maybe not going to hit the same way as it did when you were 27 or 32, but it's going to be more mature and different and interesting and reflective of a different part of someone's life. And like, there's no reason to stop just because you're not young. (laughs) You nailed it there because what it is, is like, um, that's all it is, is a snapshot of someone's life, whoever the, whoever the, the author is, you know? Yeah. That's what's incredible about it. I am of the school, the Benjamin Button school of music. And a face, apparently. The infrared sauna is fucking working. <laughs> I just really feel great about the songs I'm doing and the songs I'm writing. And I know they're still super vital. And, like... I totally accept there's no way I could be remotely as successful as I was. So I don't have any illusions of delusions of grandeur about that. Right. You know? Um that's reasonable. Um but that's not to mean that isn't that ironic that I'm getting better even if um you know I just have my specialist audience more than like the culture that's sort of, you know massive young bands people doing stuff you know you can't it'd be kind of gross and when your bands get to some point they have to do their own island you know if you want yeah. to go you want to go to that the island there was something there but then sort of us jostling with brand brand new bands and that just feels weird so we have i mean that's established um working musician with infrared skin mode you won the lottery babe i'm telling you i mean i'm sure you know it but if I have your band hit in the nineties, bye. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the best time possible. We still had a gorgeous monoculture. You could still sell millions of records. You could be on the cover of magazines. That sh- those ships have sailed. They are off in the horizon, babe. They're gone. Right. I yeah. miss it. I miss it every day. But what was fun about it, right? People I I you know, I don't like that thing of oh it was better then blah, blah, blah. and I think that the incredible was happening now. The madness of being in my studio and, it, and its potentials and the way things sound, and it's just magical. It's just like the most magical time. Technology is, 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 is unbelievable. But what I do miss is that centralized culture that was a bit more interesting. And that's what I miss when, when magazines mattered and, you know, what people said mattered. And if, if, you know, so and so from, the hairy frogs says something mean about you. It's like, oh, you know, guns at guns at dawn, lyrics at dawn. You know, like interviews. It just was like really pathetic, but yet it was sort of, um, you know, you had to be accountable within the culture, you know, and you couldn't help but play the game a little bit, and be upset by someone who said this or someone who said that. 
shitty review of my record. Fuck. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. That's the best. Now you just have to go on 200 podcasts and I apologize, but I didn't, I didn't mind this podcast thing. It's kind of fun. You know what it is? It's like you're literally doing interviews with people I'm obviously some journalists, but it's literally what we would do with the journalists and they would cull and edit what they thought everyone else should hear. Whereas right. with, with, with this, people just said they can be bothered to tune in and listen to me yeah. groaning on you. Uncut. And I like that. That's cool. It's, it's much more interesting. I think it's more candid and uh, people sort of live or die by the words that you come out of you. Your mouth, right? Sure. Well, let's get started with the actual questions. I don't know if they've told you about this, what this podcast is, or they just gave you a time and you showed up. Either way is fine, but <laughs> that's, you're like that one. And I have 10 more after this. Well, this, this podcast is called 24 Question Party People. Why? Because I ask you 24 questions. And we're, let's just begin with number one. You can skip one if you want. You don't have to, but you have the option to skip, but only one. Oh, that'd be no fun. Exactly. I mean, to be be brave. Why skip that question? Okay. Number one, Gavin Rossdale. What is your sign astrologically? Uh, Scorpio. That's right. I could have, even if I hadn't have Googled that, I would have a hundred percent known that you were a Scorpio. You are absolutely exuding the most Scorpio energy of any person I've probably ever encountered. I don't know. Are you an astrology girly? Do we, do we check the horoscopes? I have a lot of people, um, talk to me about astrology and uh, I have like very four houses in four houses, Scorpio houses. So my advice is extremely very, Scorpio. Very Scorpio. So it's just, I don't know that much about it. I just like it because what I, my favorite thing about it is how everyone thinks their signs the best. That's my favorite thing about horoscopes. Yeah, people like their own signs the most. Reflective of and human just, nature. Yeah, of course, you know, just find themselves definitely the most interesting sign. <laughs> it's fucking classic, and uh, I like it. And, and anything that goes wrong, it's like you know your eclipse, the lunar is you know your moon is really fucking with your something or other. Sure. So I like I like I like all those random explanations that people pour over. I yeah, like let that. us have this. Let us have this, Gavin. Al- Albert Camus and Sylvia Plath were both Scorpios, which is pretty cool. I think Scorpio is one of the best signs, honestly. Me personally, Taurus. I'm a Taurus. Taurus and Scorpios are iconic best friends. But I'll tell you about a little bit about Scorpio. You can tell me if you relate. So people think they're very fiery and actually think they're a fire sign, but. In reality, they're deeply emotional and sensitive, intensely private, actually to the point of being kind of secretive. However, they naturally draw attention to themselves. It's like a very like, look at me. No, please don't look at me. No, but look at me. Are you looking at me? Don't look at me. And then it's also a very love me. Please love me. No, leave me alone. But do you still love me? Don't leave me alone. Does any of this feel resonant to you? (laughs) Very true. Also known as the most sexual sign, and they're the most related to the shadow side of things, like the depths of the subconscious. Well, I do. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it sounds like a good sign to be. If you're going to be one, so far, so good. So far, so, well, they can also be very mistrustful and suspicious. Oh, so weird. I wrote this lyric just now about the violence between us. It's the violence that I can trust. So it was an interesting lyric. I was like, it's the violence I can trust. That's very, scor- it's very Scorpio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's classic Scorpio. They are mistrustful until they do trust you and then they'll accept whatever. And violence is within that sort of dark underbelly shadow side of things. Okay. Gavin Rossdale, one of the most Scorpio. Also, it was your birthday two days ago. Happy birthday to you. 
belated. Number two, Gavin Rossdale, what did you eat today? Oh my gosh, it was a weird one because uh, I worked out to the infrared. It's a bit of the ice bath. Because Look I'm at in, you, cold plunging and everything. I'm loving it. I, but I'm an idiot because I've got up to four minutes. I'm like, what, does anyone know why I'm doing this? Can anyone tell me? Yes, I can tell you. It's hormesis, babe. So you're you're shocking your system. I mean, I can't. I mean, that's what I'm doing it for. But is it really working? Many, according to my parasocial best friend Andrew Huberman and his Dr. Andrew Huberman and his podcast. Yeah, there's many, many peer-reviewed scientific studies that prove that it actually does do what it says it's supposed to do. I'm enjoying it. I feel great. That's probably my maximum. of 42 degrees and like that. And I was just like, the first was 15 seconds, you know, the first day. I was like, are you out of your mind? I can't stay in this. But anyhow, so I did an eight-minute boil two I took two eggs, boiled them for eight minutes sure. out of the fridge. They're cold, eight minutes. And that gives me a very soft, uh, just runny two eggs. And I had the most amazing uh, Thai meal last night. And uh, I kept over some, like, you know, that lard, that chicken lard. Yeah, and I just sure. sprinkled that on the eggs. And I thought, well, that's pretty healthy. That's pretty, like, kind of, you know, I had to be. To be in the studio this morning, it was fantastic. You had a high protein, a high protein breakfast. So that's what I had. It was really good. It's a little diabolical to put the chicken atop its eggs. Like if you really think about, do you know what I mean? Like what you were doing. It's that's like a good point. It's a little horrendous if you just add, let yourself think about it. But if you don't let yourself think about it, it's just a beautiful high protein meal that gave you the energy to get to the studio. It's not a combo you think of often. It's a bit mean. It's dark. But I'm glad that you're getting enough protein. Let's go back to the Scorpio. <laughs> exactly. You were like, what I did was I took that bitch's mom, slapped it right on top of the unborn children, and I ate that for brekkie. Yeah. Brekkie. Um, okay. Well, I'm loving, I'm loving your approach to health and wellness. Um, often I'll berate people on here if um, it doesn't meet my standards because I really feel like everyone could be healthier and take better care of themselves. But you seem to really, you're you're ahead of the game, sir. Well, not, not you know, balance. So not, all, not in all ways. Do you have a sweet tooth? I do have a sweet tooth that's incredibly perceptive of you. And uh, but I try and really control it. And I had a, a really good couple of days and now I'm back on like, Holding off the sugar. Although I will tell you that for like 16 years, I've followed this Korean eight constitution diet where they read your meridian lines. This is Dr. Kwan in Korea. Don't ask how I got there, but I got there. And they re recommended to me that I would only should only eat beef and pork and sugar. No vegetables, no fish, no salads, what? no seafood. And I did it for like 16 years. 16 did you feel good? Felt really good. I don't believe, I, I, I still don't think the sugars, my body really loves sugar, but I think it's not, I can't believe it has any benefits. To me. So I try and it's everywhere, right? The whole time. But I love, I'm a super sweet tooth. So I just like, just happy. I'm just like a pig every now and again. And then I stop. And it's like, just take it easy. But I feel good and like, you know, fit and strong. So. I did have a couple of great cookies. My kids got me these boxes after dinner, like a 
you know, there's like fancy pink box. Sure. And I was like, now nah, I'm all good. And my son's 17. He's like, dad, it's your birthday. Like, yeah, it's your birthday. They brought you birthday cookies for their dad and you need to eat them. And you know what I find is that is that I'm fine as long as I have nothing. If I have no sugar, I have fruit or I have nice fruit, you know, just doing that. I go, come on, these grapes are just as good as chocolate. They're not, uh, but uh, they're already good. But I like those Sharon fruit or like papaya, yeah, those yeah. things, you know, figs. They're really sure. good. Yeah. But nothing beats shoving English chocolate in your mouth point where you just have to work hard to lubricate it. But once you've lubricated that galaxy, it starts to really, you have to hold the sides. What's that purple, violet, crunchy, the, what am I talking? Do you know the English chocolate? <laughs> this, um, Turkish delight. No, maybe it's not purple. Maybe it just has violet in the name. So then in my head, it's purple. Oh, right, right. The violet crumble one. That yeah, is. that's right. That one's really good. I like that. I don't know why the chocolate's better in England. I don't know why. I find the crisps the best. And to use the parlance of your country, I do find that they have superior crisp flavors than here. Yeah, they got it down. That's because we've got the pub culture, which, by the yeah. way, I sorely miss because I was in London last week. And it is annoying here. Like, the thing I really miss, like in London, it just makes me laugh. Every corner, every other corner is a pub. At 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, you'll just be strolling past and you'll be like, these people just be outside having beers. It's Tuesday and it's 11 a.m. It's not even lunchtime yet. It's part of the culture. Like, I, I look like I'm an alcoholic here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, you know what I mean? We have food, there's a bit of you have alcohol with it, or like, go for dinner. Like, I can't, I can't do the iced tea at dinner. Yeah. I can do iced tea at breakfast. Sure. I can't do it at lunch. It just feels like... like at you lunch, you're having a beer. You, don't, you didn't respect the chef. You know, okay. If I go to a restaurant, I'm bothered to go to a restaurant. It seems weird. To you're like, English. What can you do? You can't shake it. It's like anyone English would do that. Every every lunch is like bottles of wine or glasses of wine. A glass. Not like, I'm not like a sitting there all day and five bottles of wine. It's been like I have a glass of wine with some, some mates and great food. I'm a lot of fun. I'm a lot I, of fun. I, Sounds like a lot of fun. I'm I'm a huge Anglophile, so I kind of support most of what they do culturally. As Bo Behavior. I love it. I don't care what the I love the accent. I love the bizarre television programs, the crisp flavors, all of the cultural imports. Things like roast chicken, yeah, Paddington, my son was Paddington. Uh, roast chicken chip crisps. That one is so good. I brought back like four bags when I went last time. <laughs> they, yeah, they, okay. They're just science. They just like put a like chemicals to make up a little meal yeah like they're not known for their cuisine per se like no offense but like the crisps they really have on lock okay Gavin Rossdale number three did you listen to music today and if so what was it I listened to the studio session I'm working on so I worked on two songs I am writing I changed two in two verse intros to two separate songs it was bizarre overachievement before the engineer came. I, did I had two hours for my st I was doing this podcast and stuff. So I had to give them stuff to do. So I had this little list of things and for some reason I just decided to just spruce up two songs that I had and do different things. And so there was only time to listen to those two songs. So you, that's where your um, I trust the violence yeah. came, came in. Um, you like that word violence in lyrics? I do. Yeah. It's pretty good. There's no sex in violence. I mean, because I'm scared of it, you know. I mean, like, I, I grew up in a quite a violent um, 
neighborhood. So it was just like, you get punched in the face for like looking the wrong way at people. This was volatile, just with like with young guys and kids. Yeah. And I played a lot of football, soccer. So I still had a pass. I actually played for a really tough uh, youth club called the Abbey Road, and they were like really like, they're very into being strong and proud. Hooligans. Hooligans. So let's play football. <laughs> so I like that word, violence, you know, because it's terrible violence. I see people like getting smacked around in pubs, you know, pubs on Kilburn High Road. The only place you could go is Billy Mulligan's, which is an IRA pub. Um, the Cock Tavern, where he plays, I can play space a bit. It'd be like two drunk women fighting at the bar. They'd smack into the old boy drinking the beer and he goes, Guinness. Do you know what I mean? No one had any teeth. This is fucking brilliant. Sounds awesome. Wait, are you, so you're not a good fighter? Oh, no, I'm, I can totally look after myself. Because <laughs> I, so no, I just, I'm good at diffusion right. or hit and run, but I hate it. I'm really good for hit and run. Like just bop someone in the head and just run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't do it anymore. I can't, you couldn't fight anyone. I, I mean, I could fight anyone if they attacked anyone with me. Right. But nowadays, 2023, you can't, you just get sued. Well, yeah, you're famous. I think your, your you publicist would be mad at you. You know, on my, on my Instagram, and like, there's guys outside the club, and he's arguing, and the bouncers, big bouncers, like, twat, white kids, like, oh, sh- just shut your mouth. The guy just goes, just, just knocks him out. I was like, it's like, can you do that in 2023 and not get out an assault charge? And go, if you can't pay him, then you go to jail for like three years. Either way, it's not good. It's not a good look. Don't you feel like if people did more of that, like good, clean brawling, we'd have maybe less problems and they could just stop sitting on the fucking internet and saying cruel things to each other, like cowards? Like, okay, just go get into a little scru- tussle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just leave anonymity behind. Yeah. Have like bouts of people within beefs. But the thing is, is that you'd see who's behind those beefs. So they might not be well suited physically. That's what I'm saying. These people are telling me, saying my voice is annoying on the internet. Come catch me outside, bitch. And I'm just <laughs> I mean, I will. I will fight you, but I don't want to. 24 This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 
Number four, Gavin Rostow. What is the first song that made a meaningful impact on you as a child? Um, well, there was a guy, Colin Scott, and he was the first person I met. He made a record of my aunt knew him. And so his name was Colin Scott, but then he came around and he had an album, a whole vinyl thing. And that made a real impression on me as someone, a real person I met who, um, who made a record. And she introduced me to, um, Bowie and the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And wow. that record was just like, cause we're, you know, everyone else is listening to soul music and, painting their cars, doing customizing their cars. So it was all soul music, R and B and soul. Because this is like the seventies. Yeah. When 80s. you were a child. Eighties. Yeah. And so having Bowie was like this secret garden that I just definitely was you know, no one would tolerate that. He was too out there. So uh having all the guys that sort of were doing all the kind of uh, the Ford Cortinas, the remakes and doing all that, and then dancing to Patrice Russian at the youth club. This music, Bowie was like this whole other world that kind of was a gateway to, because uh, at the top of my road where I lived, very, uh, this is very Gladwellian, right? Top of my road where I lived, there was a record store. So I could go there and, um, Every week I'd get a new record from the stars from the, from when punk began, you know, mid seven, late, you know, 77, 78, when yeah. punk began, I was like 12 years old. And, uh, so it's perfect age of all the singles going there. And they, they teach me stuff. They'd be like, just, you know, Bowie and Doors and Neil Young and television and Joan Mitchell. So that, that, that all, that was at the top of my street which gave me a really wide base of music, you know? So that was your, that was your musical education popping up to the record store and just learning Manzies, about things. It was called Manzies, yeah. Manzies. Right at the top of my closest thing. Now it's a weed store. Sure. It's a uh, more popular now, I think than, than record <laughs> physical copies of recorded music. I think we yeah. sort of supplanted that in the, in the economy. Did you look at David Bowie and be like, Oh, I want to do that. Or were you just like, Oh, this is just fucking cool. I've never seen anything like it. I never thought, oh, I, I never thought I could possibly think about it. Cause you didn't play an instrument. You played soccer, football. Played football. Yeah. Played football. Yeah. But I was just like a street kid hanging out with my friends. But, I liked, I loved that secret world, you know, and then discovering Lou Reed. And then, um, you know, I was trying to be in a band at school, but we couldn't really come up with a name. Oh, so Midnight didn't come to you till later. A bolt out of the blue, like a bolt out of a chocolate box. Or the Little Dukes. What do you think your life would have been like if the Little Dukes had taken off and that would have been your band name forever? (laughs) (laughs) Like you'd have to come out here and be like, I'm Gavin Rossdale from the Little Dukes. Yeah. God smiled upon you by not letting that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. You know, that's also funny. It's such an incredible life lesson because so many times in your life, you know, disappointment. Uh, like, obviously, of course, I'd be sad if, like, that band didn't work, you know, but it's horrific if it worked with that name. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it never would have got far. And we also called the band Head. Head? That was a good one. Then we found out there was another band called Head, so we just put another D on the end. Head. <laughs> head. <laughs> Edit, edit. Um, but it's a pretty cool name. But um, yeah, so that would have been better. But 
that band, weirdly enough, for example, very nice person I did it with, um, Emil, sweetheart. Um, but I would not got, have got better at guitar. He didn't like my guitar playing. He didn't like me playing guitar. So I wouldn't have, would have improved as a guitar player. Or I should have given up. So yeah, or written all these gorgeous songs. See, this is God's plan. I have a story like this for you. Um, a while ago, I went on a date with a man who was around five six. Um, it's a, it's relevant to the story, and was maybe on a. Um, he played in a band. We'll call it a lower to mid tier. It was okay. The band was fine. Um, he looked me in my eye, face like this, eye contact. And when I asked him, oh, do you, have you read any good books lately? He said, I do not read books. Without an ounce of shame, looked directly in my face, he said that. I know everything. Has he read the internet as well? I suppose so. And lived in a studio apartment and definitely had like a multicolor seascape tattoo. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like very, yeah. Oh. And in, in a bizarre twist of events, he rejected me. However, before this could happen, because we only went on like one or two dates, he did confide in me that he got his haircut because of you. He was like, oh yeah, I wanted... I wanted to have the Gavin Rossdale haircut. I, I took the, the picture to my hairdresser. But none of the books, none of the words. He doesn't know about books. And then I was like, well, who knew that one day, many years later, that I would be able to come talk to Gavin Rossdale and tell him this story? <laughs> because life is beautiful that way. See, I dodged a bullet, and also I got to relay this to Gavin Rossdale, whose haircut you copied. He sounds a character. Well, I wish him well. Yeah. It's really neither here nor there. I always encourage my kids to read. I think books are fucking amazing. And I keep saying to them, listen, you're the greatest kids I know. Love you forever, but let's face it, you don't know much. You don't know much. And I don't know much either. I'm so thirsty for information. I don't know why. I just sort of, I think it's because I realized that everything's going so fast. I need to know more, you know? So I'm glad you're, I would like to be so self-satisfied, like your friend, your ex-friend, who feels that not only are there no books to read, but it clearly that he's read enough, moreover that he's read enough. In the past, every book he's had in, since before you met him was sufficient to reach the point where there's no need for any more. He was all taken, all done, all, all good and crazy, all taken up with crazy. Remember, yep. what's that great line of Jack Nicholson? We're all stocked up on crazy here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all stuck up on crazy. Yeah. He's all stuck up on books. He's all stuck up on knowledge and information. Yeah. That's what I mean. I love I that. Like, okay, I love gorgeous. that. But that, in a sense, is he is probably the only enlightened person we know. Maybe that's why we didn't connect. Perhaps he rejected me because I was too stupid. <laughs> Do you know Alan de Botton? Yes, of course. Oh my God. On Love is one of my favorite books. So I just like the idea that the, the compatibility wasn't there because there was nothing in him that resonated uh, that was broken. Because there was nothing in him at all because he was just a smooth shell of a brain. <laughs> it just went, and then <laughs> the wind swept off of it. You know, when people, that ah, didn't click because it's just, the, you need something familiar as an understanding of love. There's nothing to do with love, just a familiarity of some kind of like delinquency. So that's what I mean. That's probably why you stayed in it beyond longer than he did, because there was something so broken about that. that you're like, oh, this feels good. This guy's a fucking moron. I do think it was a rock bottom moment for me, but sure. <laughs> I think we've only gone, we've only gone up from there. 
Um, yeah. Thanks, Gavin. Um, all right. Back to our questions. That was really just needed to take the opportunity. Number five, what is the first album you bought with your own money or shoplifted with your own two hands? I guess you wouldn't have shoplifted from your beautiful local record store that took care of you. Or maybe you did. I did have a, a thievery problem age 12 to 14. You do seem like I never a... stole ever again. I spent two years and two of everything, mainly candy, gambling yeah, candy. The biggest one was like uh, ending with a, a Christmas spree for my dad and my sister. You were just shoplifting candy? At first. Okay. Did we get up to like large electronics? Like when, where did we end at 14? We got to Christmas gifts from Phoenix, um, like perfumes and aftershaves and, sure. and just things like that. And I uh, got a bit of a thrill out of it, but I, I never stole ever again from that Christmas. I've never stolen pen from a bit so nothing it's been a long time so today when you go into Erewhon you don't just have like a little urge to be like I'm just gonna take a little <laughs> well that was like so that punk thing so at Manzi's they would have showed me um the records um and I had a great collection going so it would have been something like the first record I bought on my own would be x-ray specs oh hell yeah germ-free adolescence germ-free adolescence yeah yeah they had a they're most ahead of the time genetic engineering could create the perfect race, create an unknown life force that could us exterminate. So good. Cool. genetic engineering in like 78. It's unbelievable. Polystyrene. She was so cool. Um, he's a germ-free mm -hmm. adolescent. No bondage up yours. Yeah. Brilliant. So that was one of my favorite bands. And I bought that record. Let's call that the first one. I don't know if it exactly was, but definitely was my favorite. Ian Jury. New boots and panties. That's kind of forgotten to time. It was a really important record at that time. And it was so like, yeah, yeah, people don't really talk about you during blockheads. Really kind of forgotten. I'm amazing now. I'm a scholar of music, sir. I literally have an entire podcast where I explain bands. This is my, you are, actually. This is my job. Okay. Yeah. Gavin, you don't know me. Just kidding. <laughs> I, know, I didn't underestimate you, but it is impressive. Just because I went on one, two dates with a moron who got your haircut doesn't mean that I am someone to be underestimated. Okay. Some of sometimes we make bad choices. I'm sure you can relate. Awesome. Yeah. We've all done it. Um, okay. Number six, did anyone in your childhood ever tell you, listen, Gavin, you're never going to make it, give it up, or something like that, like they do in the movies? And if so, what did you say back to them? Yeah, my, my grandmother, my Scottish side, she was, a bit, she was a bit harsh. And I said to her one day, I want to sing a ballad. She goes, oh, you'll never sing ballads. I was thought, wow, grandma, granny. Definitely not typical grandma comment. I was like, it woke me up. It was like, a, it was like my ice bar. It was Scottish. Tough. Yeah, they're tough. They want you. They just want you to have a good job. Well, glycerin just went over two hundred million. So there's two hundred million reasons why my 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 nan was wrong. You should go every year to her grave and bring <laughs> the printout of the current streams of glycerin <laughs> with a, wrap it around a bouquet of flowers and just be like, "Miss you, nan." Uh, or a boombox. You should bring a boombox <laughs> and play glycerin. What's so funny about now is that. We're like with such, you know, armchair academic, um, sort of psychotherapeutic sleuths. So for me, she had a really hard time with um, closeness and uh, like intimacy, intimacy issues. It's like you realize that just 
what a crappy way to live. It's like when you see animals in the wild, any great animal, they're just, they're just all over each other. And so I'm very, very physical with my boys because I think it makes them for better people, makes them for better, better lovers. They can love better if they're, you know. And so, um, I always thought that she was like a bit, a bit Scottish like that. And so it's sort of, it's a reflection of her. I mean, she never got the right sort of hugs when she was young, more than right. being annoyed at her. Oh, great, you know. Dancing on her grave, I'll sing glycerine. I didn't say dance on her grave. I just said bring an acoustic guitar and sit cross-legged at her grave and sing, sing her glycerine. My favorite memory of her is actually um, before she died, she was really had bad Alzheimer's, and I went to visit her in hospital. She was really annoyed at me that I was late. She was all packed and ready to go with a hat and coat and a bag, and looking really pissed off at me. Like, she wasn't not meant to be leaving. So why they even let her get ready was just like a meanness from the... Staff. So I came in there and she was really mad I was late. Again, I wasn't late. I was just visiting her. So she could sit over there, sit over there. So I had to go sit on the other side of the room. And then when she forgave me for being late, I had nothing to do for her. I couldn't take her out. So I put her in a wheelchair and it was a bit like one for the cuckoo's nest. And I whizzed around this old Edinburgh infirmary, big hospital. And you can go for miles around all the thing. And I just was bashing around, going really fast down the corridors, running with her. And uh, then I stopped, I remember, on a bridge, a walkway between. And we're talking, and she's smiling and laughing. And I took her in the kitchen. There's all the kitchen portals going, excuse me, excuse me, let's get around with her. So this brilliant memory of her. So I don't, don't leave it with a memory of her. She's a bit meanie. But she, that was a bit of a meanie comment. But I guess I, I guess I sort of, just shrugged it off and let it help, let it inspire me. Yeah, it didn't bother you. Well, that's a beautiful memory. Did you know that, did you always know you could sing? No, I was a terrible singer. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, you developed that skill, Glissy. No, I didn't. You're still answer. a terrible singer, is what you're saying. No, I'm all right, but I'm, <laughs> I found my way. I found a sound. I mean, it seems, it seemed to have worked out fine for you. <laughs> I listen to Glycerin still. I listen to Swallowed maybe once a week. Not to trigger you, but I do. I quite, I quite enjoy that song. It's a lovely song. I don't know what it's about. Not a, not a foggiest clue. No idea. But I really enjoy it. I don't want you to tell me. Number seven. When was the last time you lied, Gavin Rostow? Um Was it 15 minutes ago in this interview? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I mean, it's impossible not to lie. A Scorpio would say that. I'm trying to minimize my lies, but um, I invited someone to come for my birthday and they said they couldn't make it. And I said it didn't matter. No, that's so sad. There's only thing when I lied. That was my last. Speaking of your granny and her fear of intimacy, why didn't you just say, okay, I understand, but just so you know, that does hurt my feelings. Because I wasn't so fucking woke and evolved. <laughs> I, th- I was a regular person. You, this was three days ago. You said, I'm reading Alain de Baton. My granny had intimacy issues. You, sat, you were talking the big talk here, okay? <laughs> is all I'm saying. I've got smarter recently. In the last two days since your birthday. Yeah, yeah. I've only been smart. I've only had insight for the last three days. <laughs> Prior to that, I was like, a, I was in a fog. It was all those beers <laughs> you had at lunch. Um, okay, well, I mean, you can still do it after the fact if you if you felt like expressing yourself i have enough like i have three kids i've grown I, it's like 
there's so many issues with them. I don't, I'm, I'm fine. Are we in therapy, Gavin Rosnell? There was a therapeutically oriented response. So I felt like it was part of the, part of the framework of my response. Sure. You're like, right now I'm in therapy, but not in any sort of, um, active practice, if that's what you're asking. Um, okay. Well, that's fine. That's a personal choice. Um, you're like the guy with the books. You're like, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all stocked up on sanity here. We're all stocked up on self-development over here. We don't need any more. <laughs> you guys can't see this as an audio only podcast, but Gavin Rostell is smiling at me in a way that's sort of menacing. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next question. Okay. Number eight, Gavin Rostell, what character in a book or film do you relate to the most and why? One of the, my favorite that I've always, um, most connected to is uh, Moon Palace by um, Paul Auster. Mm. And um, his main character, who um, it's just his journey through life and the way he sees people. And I, I don't know if I sort of aspire to have that insight or whether what he, his insights and various things he tries to do um, just resonated with me. And that was always like a character I really loved. It's, um, reported like it's, it's Phileas, it's, it's Uncle Victor, um, but he, my character is, uh, Marco Fogg. Marco Fogg. Yeah, just one of those, just one of those things like Silence of the Lambs is my favorite film. Just certain things just sort of edify into your, reason I just that's my favorite I can't get away from it and so that's a character you know um that's who I relate to okay that's a good answer I was actually kind of half expecting you to say like um a William Burroughs or like a Kerouac book but right on the road. you'd be surprised how often men do say that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's just too stream of conscious to know what he's been was going on about, so there's nothing to grab onto. It's so true. It's so true. What is that man on about? Who knows? I've read that book several times, and I still don't know what that man is on about. Um, but men do love that book. Okay. Paul Auster, Moon Palace. I've never read it. I'll read it. Number nine. What was your biggest sliding doors moment? Have you seen the Gwyneth Paltrow film Sliding Doors? <laughs> yeah. So what? where I missed it or I got it. Basically that if you had made a different choice. So instead of like missing the, or catching the train, more of a choice that if you had made a different one, you would definitely not be here today. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I was, uh, when I just did Constantine and I, um, was poised to, to do a lot more movies. And I had a very big agent, Brian Lord at CAA. I still had these acting managers and acting manager. And I just got a bit frustrated I thought I'd be doing more and they had a conversation and ended up not working with Brian anymore. And I was thinking if I'd stayed doing that, I would have ended up doing more movies. So that was a musical, that was a career choice that led me back to music uh, more than careering down doing more movies. Do you regret it or do you feel like well, it was I the right choice? The music because I'm so in love with music. I'm so in love with my life. I'm really grateful for it and how much can one a person have. But I do have really enjoyed, and I'm not dead, so I could do more. No, I really enjoyed um, doing movies, so I hope I get the chance to do more, and I hope that choice didn't forfeit the opportunity to do more movies, you know? Yeah. And that's the only thing. 
but you know, I'm a greedy fucker and I've got a great life. And so it's like, that's how it goes. Does acting stimulate an, a different part of your like mind than music does or, or give, fulfill you in a different way? Yes. hundred percent. That's why. And it was cool. You know, with music, I have to effectively improve the silence and, 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 and fill a space. And with acting, I've just got the benefit or the lack of, um, of whatever somebody wrote, the words someone wrote. And, you know, when you read someone's word on, you know, Akiva Goldsman, who's a really good writer, wrote constantly just words, a flow, a roll. And I just love it when you work with actors. It's inspiring when they just bring words off the page. Something like, I studied with this guy, Harold Guskin. I'd be like, what did you just do there? What was that? When you said that? Because I don't give a shit. And he gives it all this. So when you live in the moment, you make it like that. And so I've been lucky enough to work with really good actors, even though I've only done about seven films. I've generally worked with really good people. So it's been really fun to kind of bounce off of them. So it'd be nice to do more films, but, you know. Also, don't forget my favorite appearance of yours, which was on the beautiful television program, Criminal Minds, where you played Dante. I love oh, Criminal Minds. I've watched that episode many times. I love that. And I love Joe Mantegna. He's helped me a lot. He's incredible. He's a great friend. Of He's so good on the show. I really, I was like a deep, I went through a really dark period where I was kind of a shut-in and all I did was watch Criminal Minds reruns. So you're really part of that story, that narrative for me, that time of my life as Dante. That's a lot. You know what I mean? I cried in my underwear in that. You sure did. The range. The range. I went for it. Was there, was there an artist in the world that you were basing that character off of in your mind? Um, no. I mean, this sort of a, had a bit of Robert Smith about it. Sure. The white and the red. Yeah. So I tell you the funny thing is, is they did a, they go, we've got you a cardboard cutout. They did a life-size cardboard cutout, which I was horrified by, but I made sure I took both of them because I didn't want anyone else to have them. I read this and I was so upset because I was like, I could have owned that. I could have somehow found that on eBay one day. <laughs> if you really promise to look after it, but it's literally life size of me. It's odd, odd, odd looking. Anyway, anyway, whatever. I just can't stop thinking about the life size cutout, but okay. Well, that's, that's yours to do with it. What you will. Um, number 10, Gavin Rostell, what characteristic are you most drawn to in other people? Uh, talent. Oh, interesting. Go on. That when you see someone excel in their endeavor, you know, their chosen interest, and they do something that's really elevated, I think that's mesmerizing. <laughs> no, I'm simply, sorry, Not I do go to therapy, and I'm definitely like, wow, Absolutely. Gavin Rostell was sent here to challenge my psyche because I've for many years tried to be like, okay, actually, no matter how good you are at what you do, that's not your value. <laughs> and your value is separate from that. And then here you waltz in being like <laughs> there's other characteristics. Because when I said it, it's not it's not to the exclusion of other qualities, you know, to be a listener, to be sort of kind. Just there's loads of things that make somebody appealing and something, but you know, don't, it's not achievements. It's just as somebody who can, I had a girlfriend, um, she's a terrible person, mm. but she could draw really well. Yeah. Really good because her grandfather made her draw. He was an artist and you know, she, he was instructor to draw as a kid. I just, when she would just sit and, do something. I just found that really made me like her. 
because it showed me a patience, um, a dedication to something. So it's nothing, it's not like, well, you know, five Grammys and I'm thinking of the greatest thing. It's nothing to do with achievements. Right. It's just an ability at something that separates that person from other people. You know, when somebody does something, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't, you know, it's nice. I didn't know you could cook like that. Right. I didn't know you could, I didn't know you were that funny. Yeah. You know, that, that's what I mean. So yeah. it could go on for anything. It's just sort of a thing, that, an, an elevating quality. Something sort of exceptional. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. 24. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 24. Number 11, Kevin Rostow. Who is the last person? Oh, this was a good one. Who is the last person you met that you were starstruck by? And I know that you be hobnobbing and rubbing elbows out in the world of Tinseltown. <laughs> well, I bumped into, I heard his voice. And it was in a bookstore. And it's Francois Melman, the chef. Oh my the- God. What's that TV show that was so good that his episode... Yeah, Chef's Table. Chef's Table. Ugh, I think about his episode so all the time. He was... I heard his voice. All right. Like, hi, He's now on Yes, Chef. So I love... I watch everything. I'm, I'm obsessed with food. So I watched him, and I heard his voice, and I turned around. I was like, Chef, how incredible. Thank you so much for your episode of Chef's Table and uh, what brings you to New York. I think New York. Because, you know, I'm cooking. I never know where I am. I said, where do you live? He goes, I never know. I said, the bag is often packed. The bag is often packed. And we go out. And then he was like, I love everything Zen. <laughs> it's such an honor to meet you. <laughs> Gavin Russell. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. What do you like to cook? I like flame. I like fire. Mm. I'm really kind of tr- getting to grips with I cook everything. Um, but I'm really fascinated by if if cooking is temperature and time which it is yes 
And I like all styles of cooking, you know, uh, you know sous vide, sure. braise, saute, yeah. uh, poach, whatever, right? But I'm digging, like, I just uh, getting to no fire. I'm just getting fire to kiss or to lick meat, to not be too much pulling away, to just cook things perfectly, fucking perfect grill marks, perfect smayard. Uh, reaction, you know, like really good caramelization on whatever you cook. Anything, like I want one side raw, really just just vaguely cooked or steamed, the other side fucking like a, do you know what I mean? Somehow everything you say sounds sexual. Do people tell you this? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there you go. It's very scorpion. It does all lead back. It does all lead back to the... Sure, there- they're all carnal pleasures. You know, if you're going yeah. to survive, why not survive well? Survive well. Did you watch the, um, as a formal f- former footballer yourself, nearly a professional footballer, did you watch the Beckham documentary? I did. I really enjoyed it. And it was, what was really fun, actually, weirdly enough, is a bit like my greatest hits because you don't look back. But when you do look back at, with, with David, what a fucking sensational career. And he always did have a great career, but it's really interesting seeing the chronology because he he um, had a love hate relationship in England. You sure. know, I learned that from the doctor. You don't think about it now. He's just sort of like David Beckham, great foot, great right foot uh, watch guy or any sure. guy. Like yeah. he's the biggest model in the world. Yeah, you know, tequila he's like brand an or something. <laughs> advertising uh, phenomenon, uh, and she's an incredible designer. Yeah, um, and I like them. I've, I've, uh, they're, they're, they're good people. It's just it's really endearing. My favorite thing about it, the only thing I cared about, because I watched it and I love the football because I love football, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed his highlights um, and the trials and tribulations he went through. And then I really loved. They just fucking love each other. They're so, so cute. They're so cute they together. Honestly, love each other so much, and I love them for that. And I, I knew them, they lived near us for a minute and I was friendly with them for five minutes. And we had kids, well, our friendly kids were friendly for five minutes. We had a bit of a laugh and um, I, I, I liked them and wished them well. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I loved that too. My favorite part of it though, that I was most jealous of was David Beckham's like kitchen thing that he had that was just for him to play around. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I fucking I also like, I love that in my house. Because <laughs> I'm very big on that, you know, like clean kitchen, clean food. So yeah. I'm like, I really am a bit uptight about that. Like I really try and cook clean because I think it really transfers the plate. And um, he's so clean and tidy. He could probably give an army of people that could clean behind him, yeah, but he's the one doing it. <laughs> Again, I loved him for that. So that was a thumbs up watch for me. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. I just enjoyed it. It's easy watching. It easy do. watch. It was pleasant. Tell okay. them the truth. Tell them the truth. I know. My dad had a Rolls Royce. <laughs> or when she was like, I'm going to the fashion business. And he was like, where are you really going? She was like, facial. <laughs> love they were so cute together yeah, yeah that was very inspiring i think their 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 uh long-term romance is very very inspiring you don't see that very much um all right number 12 when was the last time you slid into someone's dms um a few weeks ago i slid into sean brock who's the chef from uh, audrey in texas and uh, austin and i've already written him before and it turns out his wife is, really loves my band. It was a great dinner. And I wrote it when I came home. And I was like, I just want you to know that 
I, I really, um, it was a real honor meeting you, and I don't know if I expressed that, and I really want to come and learn more about cooking with fire. You're really into that right now. <laughs> yeah. You asked. I love it. That's great. That was, I was expecting something a little different, and I love that it still led back to cooking with fire. Number 13. <laughs> what is the horniest song ever, in your personal opinion? I love bad bitches. That's my fucking problem. You know? ASAP Rocky. That was, that was, that was pretty fun. But um, I think um, it's a bit much, a bit good, but like Moments in Love by Art of Noise mm. is definitely like I could have that on repeat for like, that's a, that's a, an amorous, that's an amorous song. I don't think I know that one. I'm going to have to look it up. It comes from a culture summer of love when everyone was like staying up for three days at a time. So it has a different, I don't know if it's, but it, it, it's really good. Okay. We'll clip it here. Very, that's more sensual. Less when you said to say horniness. Song. I think I think uh, horniness is a broad term that you can uh, apply. However, put that on repeat and like you know, kiss your lover, be nice or, to your lover, or um, let the flame lick your meat if you're cooking. Um, I can always use that song for that. Uh, <laughs> okay, number 14. So okay. Taurus of you, so Taurus. That's true. Honestly, Tauruses are very sensual. Tauruses love food, they love comfort, and they love sensuality. They love touch. Number 14, Gavin Rossdale. What is the biggest money that you ever turned down? Uh, probably something like, oh, okay, do the second season of The Voice in England because it was more than five months of traveling and I just couldn't justify it with my kids. Right. And of course now it doesn't fucking matter because it would have been done and I would have made it up to them. But I just, right. I just thought I couldn't do it and I didn't do it. And it was so much fun. It was actually one of the worst things in my career. I think I was the only person that everyone on the voice and it didn't help my record sales in England and it confused my audience because I was like, why is he doing that? So, and that was like one of my typical situation where I think it didn't work out for me how it should. I've had loads of things that gone my way. Sure. So one thing that didn't go my way is being on there because I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. And God, it's massive to be in that. You're in this massive machine. But I didn't do the second season. So I'd like to do it again somehow. But um, maybe not where I have to leave my boys for so long. Yeah. You have to live in England to be on the English voice, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to be there. Um, all right. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one. Number 15. What is the best live music concert you've ever seen? Live music show. I gotta say, I saw, um, Nine Inch Nails, or maybe oh. somewhere a few years ago. And it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Just as a full on proper show and really going for it and basically everything double time. Sort of like a drama based show. Yeah, it's so intense. It's pretty intense. So really good. In 1995, I saw Bush play at the um, K Rock Weenie Roast with my dad. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he took me. He got um, secondhand high from the grass smoke, as he put it, because we were in the lawn and he fell asleep. And then there was um, bonfires because during Rage Against the Machine, and he slept through the whole thing. Um, are we sure that? It was secondhand smoke that sent him to sleep. I know. Maybe he was just on drugs. Maybe my dad was on drugs. I doubt it. My dad is a very straight-laced man. And I was 12, so I needed a chaperone, and my dad took me. <laughs> That's a 
core memory for me the 1990s. Sublime also played and Rancid. It was a great year. Great year. Great year for alt-rock music festival. All right. Number 16, Gavin Rossdale. When in your life were you the most fucked up, wasted, hammered, trashed? Uh, London Town between 1988 to 92. I keep meaning to reword this question because every person interprets it as a time period instead of just oh, no, one I, occasion. I was being facetious. I was rolling with it. I was, I was improvising. Okay, good. You were like, it was, it was not one night. It was the five years. Over that time in London. A kid. So any night of the week, we were going out and getting super, super club oriented. And so, what kind of music was? Is this like? Well, that's the only thing that was disconnected for me because that was the beginning of Acid House. Sure, Acid House. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't really into the Acid House. I liked more, you know, I liked Bowie and Prince and the Sex Pistols and right. um, the The and uh, talk talk oh, that's so good pj harvey i liked this is stuff i liked throwing muses uh i don't know if you don't forget so, pixies your favorite band pixies but the music but that was like the music that i listened to in the day when we go out to clubs and stuff like that that's where they play club music there's acid house so some bands would go into that whole acid house and either happy mondays sure Mad i was Chester. doing all that but then i was listening to hendrix and steve ray vaughan in the day yeah. You know, uh, Gang of Four and Public Image. I liked guitar bands. My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. Great Scottish in this lineage of your but those, those, those bands that I listened to. So my music tastes were nothing to do with my being wasted with my friends. What was the what was like the fun club drug in 1989 in London? Uh, Hell yeah. That was fun. That was, uh, we lost something as a society. <laughs> That was when no one drank. Yeah. Everyone was wasted. And that was it. Yeah, you don't need to drink with ecstasy. That was why it was a, it was a beautiful and miracle drug. You don't need to drink. You don't need to have a coffee. Everyone got along. Everyone was happy. Deep conversation. Yeah. And then you wake up the next day and then drink beer to chase the way you feel. Sure. You have depleted all of your serotonin and you're miserable, but hey, we had a good time. Um, okay, number 17 and number 18. These are tandem questions. What do you love the most about being famous? And what do you hate the most about being famous? I uh, love most about being famous. There's a sort of shorthand where people trust you and mm-hmm. reveal themselves pretty quick. You know, you can get to people quicker because, you know what I mean? Right? Is that <laughs> worst thing about being famous? Um, just everyone's a judge and yeah. everyone knows uh, the story and everyone knows you're a piece of shit or thinks that right. Yeah. Those things are frustrating. I think the most frustrating thing in life used to be being misunderstood. And the older I get, the more I realize it doesn't even matter. Yeah. I was going to say, do you care what people think about you? No, no, no. But when you start, when I started, I did. And when you've been through stuff and I've been through some stuff, yeah. that was a bit, a bit challenging to me. Um, to have to sort of uh, be forced out a narrative because that's the thing that the life is now narratives. I try to get that in a lyric narrative drones, but I can't really get in there. Let's write yeah. a song about narrative because people live off narratives totally. versus any reality. No one cares. No one needs any more than narrative. So fuck you. No, they just want shorthand. Yeah. But that's what I don't like about being famous, but that's it. Jack Nicholson said it even better. He said the best thing about being famous is that, um, you can get a restaurant uh, reservation eight o'clock 
any night, any, any Saturday night, six o'clock, you can get a reservation at eight o'clock. The bad news is that everyone's going to watch you eat. Actually, several people on here have said the restaurant reservation thing as the answer. I think Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind said that. He was like, best part is I can get a restaurant reservation. Okay, cool. Hi, I'm Stephen Jenkins. <laughs> you are also Stephen. This is actually a second interview with Stephen Jenkins. Um, yeah, I'm glad you don't care anymore. I've never, obviously, I'm a mid- uh, lower to mid-tier podcaster, and I have not been covered by TMZ for the comings and goings of my life. But the one thing I did internalize pretty quickly of having like any level of internet fame was that what people don't like about me is none of my business, and what people do like about me is also none of my business, because it's none of my business. <laughs> That's not who I am. That's who they think I am. Okay, number 19. This is the wild card. Gavin Rostell. Gun to your head. You're at a big party. All your friends and family are there. Someone hands you an acoustic guitar and you have to play a Pixies song. You have to cover it. What song are you covering? Where's my mind? Interesting. Back to back to a little a little ballady moment. Prove it to Granny one once again. I can do this. <laughs> Is that your favorite Pixie song or that's just the one that you would do on the acoustic guitar? No, I'm loads. I mean, I have so many Pixie songs. I just adore so just another one of the Pixie songs I love. Okay. That's a good song. Okay, number twenty, Gavin Rostell. When was the last time you cried? I cried um about well not about, about ten days ago. What was it about? What happened? My mum my mom fell over. She's 84. She fell over and broke her. So I had to fly back to London. She's doing really poorly. She's been really sick for three years. So. I'm sorry. Like, it literally, I was funny because I thought it was an interesting response because it made me cry. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just was like, I suddenly caught myself outside of myself within five minutes of crying. I was like, how weird you just cry. Yeah. Like, because crying is such a sort of a, it's terrible because crying is there when there's nothing left. There's words don't, you just, give up on words and just like, oh, it's just this raw emotion. Yeah. And I was like, I found myself stepping outside of myself and going, oh, how interesting. You really are like letting out like a human being for over 10 minutes. Like a human it's being. not me crying. Step outside of myself uh, and just sort of, you know, go back to being English uptight and sure. get my shit together and lie. Stiff up a lip. <laughs> just sort of, uh, you know, I was just worried for her. I just felt like, I was just like, horrible she's in a horrible hospital and laid on you know just being through shit take you know it's terrible getting old you know being a burden for people this must be awful yeah i'm sorry i'm sure it felt really overwhelming and i think with anything like that it reminds us of our own mortality which yeah. is also a little overwhelming you know what mom you should become a heroin addict you know because it's like I yeah, always like say this. 20 years, like, what, what, as long as you, the only problem is if you can't get heroin, but if you can get a lifetime supply, I mean, like, why not bliss out? Gavin Rossell, this is always my plan for when I'm very old, is, it's funny that you say this. I, that's all I'm going to do is just, I haven't chosen my drug of choice. It's just so rubbish when people really get old, and then when they're getting old, they're sort of beaten up like that in a hospital, and the whole ward was full of, I went back to London and surprised her, and the whole ward was full of people like broken bones and yeah. the orthopedic wing with these old people. Yeah. And you just feel terrible because they're like, quick, get yourself better so you can, well, so you can sit in a chair over there. <laughs> right, you know? a different chair, yeah, at home. It's just, it's, it's rough. So that did involuntarily, and I also cry sometimes when I look at um, Instagram in the morning and I 
see dog rescue things and there's a dog that is doesn't have a home and this thing and it, it I, I don't it's not a boo-hoo cry it makes me cry it makes definitely i got tears i'm like fuck because i just want to get i want to get uh kennels i need to have like 10 dogs yeah. and every time i'm like such a fake a liar i hate stuff i see it, i go you're a liar need to help these dogs really get. There's this one I love rescue that I follow. I just want to get all these dogs and save them, but I'm always traveling and I can't have these dogs and I'm like, so that really doesn't set me see animal things. It will bring tears to my eyes. If only you went to therapy, there'd probably a lot to unpack here about why the dogs are triggering this in you and your, your savior complex about the dogs, but we don't have time to get into that here. Yeah. Just make a mental note for yourself for next time. <laughs> next time. Let go of it. Yeah, <laughs> Moses, let go. Number 21. What is your greatest regret? They're getting light, more lighter and more lighthearted. Uh, losing my first manager. Oh. Yeah. Losing my first manager. I went with a guy that I deeply regret. Was it your first manager who said that you were a musician cursed with a model's face in Rolling Stone? Possibly. I don't know. Dave Durrell. Dave Durrell, yeah. Yeah. I like I liked that quote in Rolling Stone. He I loved him. I got rid of him, got a terrible manager, got replaced him with, with a horrible guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Nobody is free of making mistakes. I'm free of him now. I got a great manager, so right. that's all right. And he said such nice things about your face in Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, uh, you know, it just was, he didn't have the experience and we, we got a bit seduced by it and, and went, 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 went uptown and it was a waste of time. The main thing is to always, uh, you'll have these people, whether it's, you know, different nefarious people that you meet in your life, you know, that don't, that aren't good people. You get through them and you outlive them and you get through them and it's a really good lesson and, People should um, know that every every long career, there's, there's loads of people you have to wade through, you know, beyond or labels. I went to a terrible time at Atlantic. Ugh. That's why I'm, I'm always like so impressed when I do my other podcast where I just study the careers of bands. When bands come along and they like say no to like several major labels in the beginning. They'll be like 22 years old. They'll be all living in one place eating soup every day. And they'll be like, we're not going to do that. And you're like, wow, the integrity that it must have taken or like just the like self-knowledge. And I wouldn't have done that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not that it's the right or wrong thing to do, but it always really strikes me when they're like, we're not ready to do this. Like, I think the Sundays did that. They were like, People were trying to sign them from like day one and they kept just being like, we're not ready yet. We'll come back in a year. Yeah, fuck that. I've been fucking waiting around too long. I don't have that luxury. I was fucking starving. Well, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So the little dukes hadn't worked out. So you were. <laughs> I think Charles was never working out. It was always going to be fine just for just you. Yeah, it worked out good because Dave Terrell was in LA when I was trying to do that. And he took a portfolio to New York of that band when it was called Head. Beautiful portfolio, great pictures, big thing, this fucking thing. I started this thing, Love Rock, and this whole thing. He lost the portfolio. And when I went back to London, I just began these new demos, and that's when I began Bush. And he goes, he gave me advice. He said, you know what? I'm going to fucking manage you. This is great. So he managed me. And I love him, and I miss him. And I do have a great manager now, but I deeply regret that. 
Do you, you guys are not in touch. You know, recently, a couple of years ago, I did write him. I found him again. But to be honest, I find it difficult. It makes me want to throw up because I deeply regret. He was my favorite member of the band. He isn't better than all the other three to hang out with. I preferred him. Yeah. He's a really good friend of mine. Well, again, and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I wasn't. I was just being an ass and like being self-serving and thinking it would make the band massive. And it was actually worked the exact opposite it's very self-aware of you to know that and to admit it and you know what who knows maybe one day you'll be able to tell all this to him and and heal that wound yeah 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 the good the good news about the band is i'm actually back to where i was prior to that so i've got overtaken it now so it's okay but yeah that was a that was that was a cataclysmic move it's all part of the plan i believe it so no accidents right no accidents i don't sit in regret i mean i, gotta, I think I it's okay that. to regret your own behavior because you learn that's how you learn from it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean i regret that decision yeah. but i i need you know um there was logic to it and it just it all it all it was uh, a drag. all right well we're thanks on. for bringing that up <laughs> I didn't. I mean, you brought it up. I simply asked the question. Although, again, it felt like we got somewhere there with you emotionally. So <laughs> I think it was good. Um, all right. Number 22. We're so close. What song would you like to hear just before you die? Most of the time by Bob Dylan. That's a really good one. All right. Only two more questions, Gavin Rossi. How are you feeling? Ready to close this out? Sure. <laughs> Number 23. What do you think about me? I think you're really smart and you have really good questions and you have a good sense of humor and you're self-deprecating. And uh, that's why I've been able to answer them at length, possibly longer than you even wanted. <laughs> Definitely never longer than I wanted, possibly slower than I wanted, but that's simply your cadence, your English. You're, you're I'm trying to let the words speak and finish each one individually, but it's inspiring. But also I was like, is Gavin Rossdale high? Maybe <laughs> that's also amazing for you. And I love, I would do that too. If I had to do 10 podcast interviews in a row, I would definitely get high. <laughs> Number 24. What do you want to plug? What do I want to plug? That's why you're here, babe. <laughs> My black heart so that I can feel again. You're a tender softy and you've revealed that many times through this conversation and perhaps it's... No, I'm thinking there's a hole in my heart, as I'm saying. I mean, so I think that it needs filling and uh, I think that once I fill it, I will, I will find um, everything that is elusive. Is it a God-sized hole? That doesn't make sense to me because <laughs> I don't know measure of God. <laughs> All right, Gavin Rossdale, this has been a real pleasure and a delight and... I hope that you had an okay time. Thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to check out that book that um, you relate to the character of. And I'm going to think about your granny when I play Glycerine later. My poor Nana. I'm going to light a candle for oh, She did make great rock cakes. She made great rock cakes. What is a rock cake? Your people have all this food oh, that uh, I don't know about. Like this uh, of a bun, but it's quite, it's a soft crunch on the outside, soft as a, it's just, flaky uh, and then with the raisins in it can and, you make it you know i'd go up there i'd drive up to see her and she'd always oh, get up in the tin she'd make them for me and I like the bit that was crunchy and burnt more the kind of like mild reaction that those crispy bits were the best and then you have a little bit of soft inside and i can put away three or four of them afterwards. that sounds really good i'm gonna look into that rock cakes 
Thanks for listening to 24 Question Party People, and thanks to my guest, Gavin Rostow. Be sure to look for Bush's Greatest Hits record, Loaded, The Greatest Hits, 1994-2023, to out everywhere this Friday, November 10th. This episode was produced by Chris Sutton and Jesse Miller-Gordon, with help from Justin Sales. Our gorgeous theme song was composed by Heather Fortune. Special thanks to Nina Savio, Sean Fennessy, Rob Harvilla, and Bosch Legacy. Come back every Tuesday for a new episode of 24 Question Party People on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Twenty-four question party people.